everybody's been really loving it. And I've been really loving it because I get to share with you people that I know um, who are intelligent, articulate, and experimental, and very um, forefront in their field. Um, and this is the kind of people that I'm, I'm surrounded by, actually. These are my friends. And um, it's, it's so much fun for you all to meet them because a lot of them are not computer literate. They're kind of, you know, I've have to train them how to do Zoom and I have to do pre-Zoom meetings just to make sure that they got sound working. Um, and so their knowledge isn't something that's out in the public sphere just because they're busy doing what they do. And so during these webinars, I've been able to bring forward all these incredible people and, and just have them there and have it available for anyone who wants to find them and listen to them. Um, so all the webinars can be found on my YouTube channel, Surefoot Equine. Please subscribe to that and you'll get all the latest updates. Um, and today we're gonna talk about uh, stacking Surefoot pads. Um, so that's the topic, but we're gonna have to start at the beginning a little bit for people that may not have been with me before. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and get going. Um, Hi, I'm Wendy Murdoch. I'm the creator of the Surefoot. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try that again for the video. <laughs> Hi, I'm Wendy Murdoch, and I'm the creator of the Surefoot Equine Stability Program and the Surefoot Equine Pads. Eight years ago in May, this month, I put the first horse on a pad. I placed his foot on a pad for all of 15 seconds because I timed it uh, according to Dr. Joyce Harmon's recommendations. And when that horse walked off, he was completely different in 15 seconds. I'd worked with three horses that day, a warm blood, a quarter horse, and a halflinger, and all of them changed in a period of less than an hour, just working with two pads. I was so immediately struck by this and by the changes, and Catherine Wyckoff was one of the first people to, um, to see me do Surefoot with a horse because her horse was the third one I worked with, the, the halflinger, and, I, and she was there, um, she's a therapeutic riding instructor, and she happened to be that, that day. And I drug her over to watch me work with the second horse. And the both of us were so struck by the changes that we saw that I knew that I had to do something with this information and bring it out to the world. Um, it's been eight years. It's been an amazing journey so far, one that I could never have predicted, um, and it's still going on, and I just love it because I know that this is helping horses. And for me, the most important thing about Surefoot is that we're helping the horse. I feel like I, I'm a steward most of the time to this process. I just am the one sort of shepherding it forward and making sure it gets out to more and more people because the, it's so profound when you watch a horse stand on surefoot pads and you see the changes. And what's happening now is I just had a phone call from a farrier and he's in Texas working with a laminated horse and he's calling me up, he's watched the webinars, he's like, what pads do you think I should get? Um, and while I'm not a veterinarian, I'm not a physical therapist, I'm not an animal rehab specialist, um, I am a Feldenkrais practitioner, I can only speak from my experience of years doing this as courses. But the really awesome thing is the team that's been forming around Surefoot and the professionals that are joining that team. And we have veterinarians from around the world, physical therapists, massage therapists, acupuncturists, Feldenkrais people, all joining in and sharing their knowledge and experience using Surefoot pads. And you can join that community by going to Fans of Surefoot on my Facebook page. So there's the Surefoot Equine Facebook page, and then there's the Fans of Surefoot Equine group. 
And what's really exciting for me now is that somebody will put up a question or put up a picture of a horse on pads and they'll ask a question and the community is pitching in and answering those people. And this is really my hope that we continue to grow the community because everybody has a different experience when using Surefoot. We each come to this with our own information, with our own background and our own previous experience. And so we all see it slightly differently. Um, Ida Hammer is looking at it from the foot. Uh, Dr. Sherry Johnson's looking at it as a veterinarian doing rehab work. Um, Catherine Wyckoff is coming in as a Feldenkrais practitioner. Cheryl Gibson's coming in as, as the creator of Equibo. And uh, Martina Neardhart from Fascia. And so we each have our own perspective and knowledge. And what we can do is pool that knowledge through the use of the pads with the horses so that we can help more horses all over the world. And so that's my hope for Surefoot is that the community keeps growing and growing and that more and more people join us both as horse owners, practitioners, and veterinarians so that we can all help more horses and make their lives a little easier. So um, it's just really an exciting journey for me. I just, uh, you know, it's just um, really, really uh, fabulous. And uh, I didn't even know some of the people that were using Surefoot until I went to AAP in December and found out all these vets were using it. And I was like, that's great. And so um, I'm never gonna diagnose anything because I don't have those credentials. But what we're doing on the Surefoot Equine Facebook, no, on the Surefoot Equine website, so surefootequine.com, is we're now listing Surefoot Equine practitioners and veterinarians that are using Surefoot Equine pads in their practice. And we're going to keep growing that list and building that list so that anyone can go to the website and find someone in their area that is using Surefoot so that they can find out how to use Surefoot with their horse if they have a particular medical condition or illness or injury. And so the more we expand, the more rich it's gonna become, the community's gonna be just become like uh, stronger and better and more educated so that everybody pitches in and we get to help more horses and people. Today I wanna to talk about stacking, but I'm just gonna start with a little brief intro about Surefoot in general because um, maybe someone watching this webinar hasn't seen a lot about Surefoot. And so I'm just going to start there. I'm going to do a little screen share. And so the pads, okay, so the first question is, can everybody see the picture that I just put up of Moon Pie? And it says before Surefoot and after Surefoot. And if you cannot see that, because I don't have a, have a panelist, so I don't know. Let's see. Yes, great. Okay. Super. And if you have questions, just put them in the chat. So this is Moon Pie. And the story of Moon Pie was that uh, we used Moon Pie to film for the Surefoot um, DVD in the beginning. And she had had Lyme disease. And she was moving quite poorly after being treated for Lyme disease. Um, she wouldn't even canter to the right. The owner wouldn't even ask her to canter to the right. Um, we didn't get any uh, video before because she couldn't canter to the right. Um, and the next day I needed to ask her to come back for another video that we were filming for my 50 fixes. And the thing that was so amazing, it was the difference in the horse in just one session. So one of the first things to realize is that, um, and a very common question I get from people is, well, how often do I need to use Surefoot with my horse? And I can't tell you. What I can tell you is that when you get started with your horse, 
and your horse realizes that you're making an offer and the horse has a choice, that horse is gonna start to show you how frequently they would like to stand on sure foot pads. Um, and Felicitas von Neumann-Cosell, who's a dressage trainer in Maryland, she's now using them with the horses every single day. The interesting thing about that is that originally she said, oh, I use them every other day because it becomes too familiar if I do it every day. But then when I had her for our webinar, she said that, nope, now I use them every day with every horse. So she uses them uh, as a, as a warm-up. She uses them before training. And here's just a picture of a lovely dressage horse. This is in Washington State. Um, and he, at this point, is standing on four pads. But that's one of the next questions people often ask is, well, what foot should I start with or how many pads should I use? And you always want to start with one pad and one foot. Um, I have pictures of horses on more than one pad because by the time I could take the picture, they were already comfortable standing on it. They're not walking off anymore. And so it's not critical to have them on all four feet, and especially not in the beginning. Um, it's really important to listen to the horse. And so I'm just going to play this little video. Some of you may already have seen it. Um, this horse doesn't even stand on the pad, and he makes a huge change. So he strokes his foot over the pad, and then he yawns like crazy. Now this is a, a rather um, unusual case. I haven't had another horse with this much response with this little contact on the pad, but it can happen. And so what's really important is that you're really present with your horse when you're working with Surefoot. I don't even know if I, yeah, here's a single hoof. Um, that you're really present with your horse when you're working with Surefoot because there's so many little subtle nuances that happen. Um, they might step on it and then shift their foot and you think they're stepping off, but they're doing something like this. They're changing how they're standing on it. They might just stand on a corner of the pad. They might just put a tiny little bit of their foot on the pad. They might just step, stand on it for less than a second and then walk off. Um, it's really so, they might just do this. They might just come over and then they start to check out all the pads. That's very common. They get very curious about them and they wanna sniff them and check them out. So it's really um, so much about being present and listening to see how your horse is responding, how he's interacting. Um, this picture here, this horse was having difficulty standing at the mounting block. And as you can see, we have some soft pads and some firm pads. And we started putting her on the pads. Let me see if I can blow this up a little bit. Nope, the other way. There we go. We had put her on the pad several times and then walked her off and brought her back. But the, by the time we got to this point, we didn't need to stand her on the pads anymore to have this response. That she was already associating the mounting block and the comfort from the pads. She was wiring that together and putting it together so that now the mounting block was actually a really comfortable place instead of a scary spot, a discomfort, uh, anxiety producing location. So, once horses get used to pads, in some cases, they don't even need to stand on them. Um, somebody recently sent me a post. She said, the strangest thing happened. I had one horse on the pads and the other horse came and walked over and started yawning and yawning and yawning. And so, yes, you can have, uh, if you have a herd, one of the great things to do is work with one horse in sight of the herd or in the middle of the barn aisle with the other horses all watching and all the horses are gonna get influenced by the effects. 
And so the really typical effects, of course, are yawning, sighing, licking, chewing, uh, neck lowering, swaying, uh, deep breathing, um, all the signs that we associate with parasympathetic or rest and digest. Um, you'll sometimes see horses go even deeper into what appears to be a tranquilized type of state. I mean, they literally look tranquilized and, you know, something can go around them and they will barely look at it or not look at it at all. They're just in this really deep, deep state of relaxation. Um, uh, as Dr. Nearhart pointed out, it's important to keep track of their respiration and their um, heart rate because if it switches and it starts going up, you really need to get the horses off the pad. But that's not a response that I, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen that um, in all the time I've working working with pads. But there again, it it comes down to duration, and you don't want to, uh, and you don't need to have the horses on the pads for long periods of time. Um, if you remember, I said it was 15 seconds that I timed the first horse and saw a huge change. And when we time breathing changes, we see breathing changes in three to 10 seconds. And so um, when somebody tells me, oh, I had my horse on for a short time, seven to 10 minutes, that is not short, <laughs> that is long. Um, and generally in the beginning, you wanna keep it within you know, 30 seconds, a minute, maybe two minutes, really watching the horse, because it's not just about standing on the pads. It's about like gathering a piece of information while the horse is on the pad, and then giving the nervous system a rest by walking them off or taking them off the pad and letting them process that piece of information, that little chunk, and integrate it. And if we give them too much information at once, they just can't process. So think about if like in a riding lesson, if you have somebody and they're constantly yelling at you and telling you what to do and telling you what to do the whole time during your lesson, you don't have time to process that. You're just reacting. But if they give you a little bit of information and you get to go out and test that out and ride that around and come back, and then they give you another piece of information and you go out and you ride around and you test it out. That's the same idea as standing the horse on the pad for 30 seconds, maybe a minute, and then walking them off and taking them for a walk so they can integrate the piece of information, allows the nervous system to rest for a moment, allows the glucose to refill in the brain, glucose is what the brain runs on, and just helps kind of keep the thing fresh, just refreshes, um, and then you can come back and do it again. You'll know when you're done because the horses will just not wanna stand on the pad. They'll either kick them away, they'll step off, they'll get fussy, they won't pick up their leg, and they're done. And if you think about when you've learned something new or there's been something really, really uh, important information-wise, you can only take in so much information and then you're done. And probably some of these webinars about halfway through, you're like, I'm done, I have to come back and listen to this later, right? So think of it as how you learn and that you need a break, you need a rest, you need a moment to like look away and process. And then you only need so much information in a time. And the beauty of working with your own horses is that you can come back the next day and do it again. When I'm doing a workshop or a clinic or a lesson and I'm using Surefoot, I have you for a very short period of time and I'm constantly assessing, you know, maybe I only work with the pads for 10 minutes total, including walks, including movement. Maybe that horse wants a half an hour. Maybe I work with the horse for 45 minutes and then, oh, I got to give the rider 15. Maybe I give the horse, you know, five minutes and then work with the rider and then come back again. 
So the, the process is so variable depending on your environment, depending on the horse, depending on you know, whether it's mounted or unmounted, um, whether it's injured, whether it's sore footed, it can't come out of a stall. And so it's very important that you keep assessing the environment, the conditions, the horse, and be present to really observe so that you're seeing what's going on and you can respond in that moment. So people ask me all the time, well, you know, how long should I do this or what should I do with my horse? And I'm like, I'm not there. Trust your horse. Listen to your horse. Let him show you. And the minute they realize that you are asking and not telling, that you're listening and facilitating instead of trying to make them do something, the minute they realize that you're giving them a voice, they're going to let you know. I've seen it so many times. They just start to go, oh, you mean if I, you know, step off and look at you, you're going to maybe go to, or I won't pick up that foot. That's very common that you go to pick up the foot and it's stuck to the ground. Well, that just simply means that they want a different foot or I'll just, I'll just go around and look for a different foot. So um, this horse here, uh, the reason I'm showing this horse is he's on one pad. It's a hard pad. It's the orange top. And he has this gigantic, I don't know if I can blow that up. Nope, other way. Uh, gigantic arthritic knot on his right knee, which we're not going to change, right? Um, and he is still serviceable under saddle. And his owner is very conscious of his well-being. But he also wants to keep in movement, which is good for us. And so I'm just going to play this video here. And you can see how soft and deep the eye blinks are, the licking and chewing, the little twirly ears, just being aware of his environment but not needing to react. You might even notice, if I play it again, I'll just back it up and just drag my, my okay, there's our lick and chew, right? There's a little head movement, there's another big lick. And I look for the tongue to do what his tongue is doing, which is come out of the mouth. So an anxious tongue for me is one that gets pulled back and a relaxing tongue is one that goes forward. And I have a question. I'll just check uh, when it makes sense to respond. I have a pair of green pads. Okay, great. No problem. I can get to that question. So um, let me just scroll this forward again, right there. Now you can see there's a lot of movement in the jaw. Then he shifts his head. Then he shifts his weight. So here, watch how he goes and shifts his weight to his right front foot, which is really interesting because that's the knee that has the big bump, right? Our little telescoping twirly ears, right? Our deep, soft eye, a lot of licking and chewing. And it's amazing how much expression, and I'll just play it in real time now, how much expression there is in the muzzle that when I play it in real time, you're like, yeah, yeah, he's licking and chewing. But when I slow it down, you can really see just how much is going on. And so we're getting a softening in the tongue up into the hyoid. There's muscles from the hyoid that attach to the sternum and the inside of the shoulder. And so we're affecting this whole system from the foot all the way to the tongue. Uh, let me stop share for a second here. Um, somebody's asked, um, I have a pair of green pads and wanna buy the next type. What do you suggest? Another, uh, another firm set or a slant? I would say get a slant and probably it would make more sense to get like the hard slants rather than the firm slants because you already have the firm uh, density. So 
you know, if you're only going to get one more pair, I would suggest hard slants because now you have two different densities and two styles. So whenever you have a flat pair, it's always nice to then um, get a, get, go to a slant. Um, okay, so I answered that. I'm going to mark that done. All right, I'm curious. It seems like the pad would be under the arthritic knee. Oh, that's a great question. So um, I'll just come back to this video again. Uh, let me make sure, let me screen share. So it's an excellent question. Why am I working with the foot that does not have the bump? So in the Feldenkrais world, Dr. Feldenkrais always said, go as far away from the injury as possible. In other words, if I've hurt my right hand, he would go to my left toe. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that when you have an injury, the nervous system's already responding and protecting. Actually, I'll stop screeching. So it's already protecting, right? So I've hurt my hand and I'm like, oh, my hand hurts. And then somebody wants to come over and look at my hand and I'm like, no, my hand hurts. Please don't look at my hand. It hurts. But if I go over to your foot and I work with your foot, you, a couple things happen. One, I stop threatening you. So the nervous system goes, okay, they're not gonna approach the thing that hurts. They're going far away. Two, the whole system is connected. So I can still affect the hand from the foot. And in this case with this horse, um, I don't know horses typically when I'm working with them. Um, I might see them for the very first time like this one was the very first time. And I'm not as willing to go to the back feet in the beginning until I know the horse. And so I typically will start with the front foot because it's safer. So you have the safety factor, you have the defensiveness of the nervous system, and you have the idea that you can get to the entire body from, a, from anywhere in the body. Um, so that's why I went to the opposite foot. And once the horse starts to realize, let's see, let me just make sure my screen share is back up and working. Um, you know, it's like um, that leg, and here's another reason, this leg is doing more work or typically the uninjured area is doing more work because we're putting more load on it. So by going to that leg and saying, hey, how would you like some comfort over here on this non-injured leg that you know, is doing a lot of work and I make that feel better, you're going to be more willing to let me then show you that same idea somewhere else. Okay, so I've got another question. Do, do, do. Curious, it seems like, okay, I think I answered that. All right, so let me go back. Um, so I start with one foot. I'll add pads. This horse here, he's on hard, hard pads in front and firm slant. So that's, again, two different densities. Um, I've got the same density under the front. You can do diagonals. You can do lateral. Um, it's not unusual for me to put the same density on the same side. I'm trying to see if I have a picture of that in this particular slideshow. Um, I don't see it. Um, here, this is a laminitic horse, um, and it was rainy, and that's why she's, it was, her coat was quite damp. But we wound up putting her on the same density under all four feet. Obviously, that requires four pads of the same density, but she was in heaven from this. She really enjoyed that. So then, I'm just going to hope I don't make you nauseous scrolling up and down. Um, oh, and by the way, it doesn't matter, boots, shod, or barefoot. Um, that's also a very common question. In my experience, 
it has not mattered whether it's boots, shot, or barefoot, surefoot affects all horses, regardless of what's on their feet. So when we get to stacking, why would I stack surefoot pads? Um, the most common reason that I started out stacking is when I saw a horse that was standing with a lot of weight on one leg or wasn't moving through the shoulder the same on the two sides, or that there was some asymmetry in the way that horse was moving or standing or responding. And so then I started going to two pads. And here again, you might find it odd, but I would often do this, make the horse high or low, whichever way you wanna look at it, I would go with their pattern. So if the horse is standing heavy on the left front, I doubled up the right front to make it more obvious to the horse that there's more weight on the left front. So again, this goes back to the Feldenkrais method. And um, Dr. Feldenkrais would talk about uh, meeting the, the person where they were at. Very often what happens is we see something that we think is wrong or it isn't right or it isn't balanced. And we immediately come in and start telling them that's wrong and you should do it different, right? Um, and in some cases with physical therapy, that's kind of the way it happens. You go in and they do range of motion and they tell you all the things that are wrong and then they're gonna make it all different and they're gonna work on that. And in my experience with physical therapy, when I um, had the horse flip on top of me and I went down to PT to rehab my knee after they had a rod in my femur for 10 days, um, they told me my knee was gonna move and the guy grabbed it and tried to move it. And after that, I had to take every painkiller I had just to get me into physical therapy. I wanted nothing to do with physical therapy. I wanted no one to touch me. So the whole idea here is go with the pattern, take over the work, allow the nervous system to calm down because you've taken over the work, and then come in and show the other idea. Um, I wonder if the unpadded leg can relax in a way that it cannot when weight-bearing. Uh, possibly, you know, these are, these kind of ideas, my horse will actually bear more weight on the padded foot, yes. Um, and, and these are ideas that someday, hopefully, someone with some force plates will do some studies and look at the change in load when we use surefoot pads. Um, and that would be a great experiment, it would be fantastic. Um, but in, in many cases, what I do is I look at the pattern of the horse and then I come in and I, I try to mimic that pattern to take over the work so that the horse isn't contracting and then offer it a different choice. And so here I've got, I'm pretty sure that's a hard pad underneath. I think of the hard pad serving as a base because we're trying to gain height. So rather than using the softer pads on the bottom, which are gonna give more, I typically start with the orange hard pad as my base and then stack something on top. So here I've got my base pad and then I've got the green firm pad. And um, there are, are many, uh, well, how to stack, but I'm not sure I actually have a picture of how to get the horse on the two pairs of pads. So let me talk about that for a second. This horse is stacked, it says firm, that it's a yellow top, but it's actually should be green because it was our first batch. So that's how long this person's had these pads. In fact, this was up in Canada at the Icelandic horse farm with Robin Hood. 
And so they had had these pads um, three and a half years. Um, so some people ask about durability. These pads are three and a half years old. Um, and I've stacked them on top of the hard. There are two ways, I'll stop screen share for a second. There are two ways to stack. One is to put a pad under each foot, one layer, and then come back and pick up that foot, say a front foot. I've got both left and right front foot on the base layer. And then I come and I pick up one of the front feet and add the second layer and put the foot down and then go over and pick up the other foot and put the foot down. Now, when stacking, we have to be careful of our hands because sometimes the horse hits the stack, it shifts the stack, we wanna stick our hand there to fix it. You know, so horses by this point, if you're stacking them, are pretty comfortable with sure foot, they're not moving off, they're, and that's one of the keys. They're not walking off, they're not reacting, they're very comfortable on all the pads under each foot, there's no drama everything's relaxed. That's the moment you can start to stack. And you start with a base pad and you can either put a base pad on each foot and then pick up the foot, put the second pad down. And then I sometimes hold the leg with two hands at the, at the fetlock or just above the fetlock on the cannon and lower the foot so that both of my hands are not near the foot. Um, what you have to realize, and this is the caution that I always have for people, is that once they're on a pad, they're a little more unstable. And if something happens and they turn to look their head to see at something while you're trying to place them on a second pad, they might lose their balance and need to put their foot down. And the last thing you want near the foot and the ground is your hand. So you always have to use extreme caution when starting to stack and making sure you know, you've got your hands, like if I put both hands on the leg, then my fingers are away from the foot. The other way to stack and sometimes this works and sometimes it doesn't, depends on the horse, is I'll put my base layer, I'll put my second pad on, I pick up my foot, I kick my pads into place just like I would do with a single pad, and then I lower the foot onto the pads. And sometimes they slip off, sometimes they drag the pad off, sometimes they rock, sometimes they slip, sometimes they step off, but your hands are out of the way. And you need to make sure your feet are out of the way because again, the more pads we add, the greater the instability we're creating. And so the more possibility that horse shifts, moves, steps off. So, you know, be very cognizant of where your feet and hands are when you're doing this. So if my horse won't put weight on the left time when standing, would you suggest the pads under the right height? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, there again, it's starting to see which foot will he pick up for you? Um, I can have all the rules in the world, and as Robin Hood says, my rules are written in sand except for keep your hands away from the hoof and listen to the horse. Um, those are written in stone, um, but all others are written in sand. And so I can tell you, hey, go to the other feet, but it may be when you go to the other feet and none of them pick up, you go to the foot that doesn't have the weight on it. So there's the, the um, theory and then the practice. And and in the practice, that's when we really learn because I can have all the guesses in the world and all the theory in the world. And just like quantum physics, until I look at it and see what's going on, there's something that, and this happens so often, people tell me stories about their horse, you know, and they go, well, my horse won't load in the trailer. I'm like, okay, well, let's see what's going on. Well, I couldn't lead the horse through a barn door, literally an entire barn door. I couldn't lead the horse through that quietly. So putting him in a little tiny trailer is going to be a problem. But that's not what they told me. What they told me is they couldn't put him in a trailer. 
So, you know, when we're actually present and there and observing, that's when we have the opportunity to really see what's going on and to respond in that moment. Okay, I'm gonna go back to screen share. So I can't remember which way I, I stacked with this horse, whether I did the base layer first and then added the second layer. Um, what's really, really interesting is you can see how much more strongly this horse is weighting the right front foot. I mean, look at that deep, deep impression we have on the firm pad. And here we have a little impression on the medial side, but almost no sinking in on the lateral side of this. But, oh, I remember this horse. This was a quarter horse that was young. She was taking her time with her, but she was really stuck and not moving forward very freely. Um, and afterwards, she was moving much better. But when you see the difference in how strongly, how much pressure there is on this right front compared to this left front, um, it starts to give you some clues. All right, let's just go back here. Oh, I know. Um, this is a lovely little horse. They like to match color, I think. Um, again, this is some older pads that are yellow, but this is um, hard pad on the bottom and a hard pad on top. And so it's two hard pads. And again, you can see, like, if you know the hard pad and you've stood on it, it's pretty firm. And you can see how much it's actually bowing here as we do a second layer. So we get more um, depth. One of the things that's really handy with stacking is if you have a low withered horse, a horse that's down in front on the forehand, um, and you look at them and their croup is higher than their withers, to lift them up a little bit on surefoot pads by stacking, a lot of horses, it's like, it's like a surprise, like a pleasant surprise, but they're like, Oh, wow, I can see the world in a different way, is kind of my thought. Um, but they start to feel the weight shift back to their hindquarters. So that's a different experience for them because when they're built downhill, their weight's on the front. I don't think this is stacked, but I'm going to just blow it up. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, so here we have, I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure that's the hard pad on the bottom, just looking at the amount of give. And it's flipped over. So we have the cream ivory top, and we've stacked hard slant on top of hard base, right? And so again, you can see that this little guy, look at that face, right? He just looks like he's um, having a lovely time, a little bit of breeze in his mane, his eyes are closed. And you can see how we've raised his withers up, his whole front end up relative to his hindquarters. So it's letting some weight shift toward the back a little bit. And he's clearly really enjoying himself, very, very content there. Nobody has to hold him. Um, this is a therapeutic riding pony who works really hard. So those guys, it's really nice to give back to them because they give so much. Um, I have a, where's my interesting stacked picture here? Maybe it's up here. So you can stack a single foot, you can stack both front feet, um, rarely, oh, here it is, um, stacking all four feet. So this horse here, he, I, I think he went, I think he pronated. Let me just switch to the other picture. Yeah, this, this is the way he wanted to go. So I had already done uh, hard pads and medium pads. I have pictures of them standing on medium. And then I started with the slant and I, my thought was, let me go in the direction that he's already going. 
so he was already going this way. So I, I put him that way. <coughs> Excuse me. And I said, well, let me see if I make it even more. And so I doubled a firm slant on top of a hard slant and put them in the, in the pronated position. I'm just going to check my question over here. Uh, how did you get the pair? Get a pair front or back. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll talk about that. Um, in a minute. So basically I just angled him and then here I took him in the opposite direction, right? So we've got the hard slant on the bottom with the firm slant on the top and now a little bit of prone, uh, supination. So it's coming inward. Supination and pronation. I'm just going to stop screen share for a second. For anybody who struggles with those words, um, my friend a long time ago told me a really easy way to remember supination and pronation. So with supination, if you make your hand into a cup, like you want to eat soup, that's supination. And then pronation is the opposite where the palm is going away. So when that bottom of the sole is going away, that's pronation. And when the bottom sole is coming up towards your mouth as if to make a cup to eat soup, that's supination. Um, so someone's asked a question about how to get both feet, front or back feet, on a full physio pad. And there are two strategies. Um, one is that I put the pad in front of the horse and I, I bring him up close to it and I pick up one foot and place it on the pad and then I go and I pick up the other front foot and place it on the pad. And the same thing with the back feet. I can either place the pad in front of the hooves and pick up one foot and then put the other on or I can put the pad at the back of the both feet and step them back onto it. So those are the two strategies that I take. Um, and sometimes the pad winds up a little slanted or angled. It's not quite square when they stand on. You know, the beauty is there's plenty of working surface. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of, lot of room for error in placement of feet. Um, I, a lot of horses, it's the one pad that if it's not slippy surface, so not a slippy barn aisle kind of setting, but say in an arena where it's sandy, um, where I will ask a horse to step up onto that pad. The reason I don't ask a horse to do that with the regular 10 by 12 pads is the chances of them tapping the pad and moving it are very, very high instead of actually landing their foot on it. And the minute that happens, and then I insist that they step on it, I have now switched from an offer to training. And so I've totally switched the, the, the intention. I've totally switched what the focus is. And now I'm trying to make the horse stand on the pad. Um, but with the full physio pad, it's not uh, uncommon for me to just bring a horse up, walk a horse up, and then just ask them to step onto it and kind of just keep a corner steady. And I use it a lot uh, near mounting blocks when horses have problems with standing still from being mounted. Um, how do you get a pair of front or back feet? I just answered that one. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to go back to my screen share. So you can see there's a lot of options here and um, it really comes down to, again, listening to the horse and responding to the horse and seeing, you know, what's going on. I'm trying to see if I have a picture of laterally, uh, placing pads laterally. I'm just gonna switch to a different file here and see if I have one. Um, by the way, here's a really good stretch while on the pad. <laughs> Pretty impressive. Um, Sometimes I'll actually put pads underneath um, the just right side only. So here again, this is another horse 
And we've got our base pad, our hard pad on the bottom with the hard slant on top. Okay. Um, oh, okay. So here's a little different combination. Um, this was a horse that had had laminitis. She, uh, it was chronic recovery at this point. And so I started obviously with one pad and then um, added a second and then added a third. And I went from hard to soft. And again, you can see how much the soft is giving and how on this surface, there's very little happening down below, but it's raised her up. I'm not sure if I have in this slideshow um, the picture. Oh, here she is. So here she is on four pads on the hard in front and the hard slants behind. And you can already see that she has a nice soft eye. Oops, come back here. Right, there we go. You know, she was listening to something there at the moment, but she was very happy to stand on the stack pads. Now, you can see that there's a lead shank here. It was just looped over the tie rail. It was not tied in any way. And again, it's super important not to have horses on cross ties, not to have them tied fixed to anything, especially if you're doing any stacking, because when they're on something like this, um, it's real easy for them to, to lose their balance a little bit and need to step off. Um, and so you can see here, she's got her foot right in the center of that pad. The, the stack is quite aligned. Um, not perfect with the medium. And here you can see that the stack is really well aligned. And you can also see how she's got a lot of pressure on that inside of the foot, just the way the pad's curved up. So, um, you know, stacking, if you're not familiar with just using one layer of Surefoot pads, then you got to be really comfortable with that before you start stacking. Um, because it's, uh, you know, a lot of horses will um, be very uncertain about stepping down on a double pad and they'll, um, you know, just stop screen share for a second. So a lot of times you have your double stack pad and they step down and they slip and they'll pull the pads back or they'll step off to the side or they won't step down or they'll be really, really uncertain. Um, it is also much harder on your pads when you start stacking. So you will see more wear and tear on your pads if you choose to stack them. So just know that that's, you know, they weren't intentionally designed to be multiply stacked. That's why I always like to use the hard pad as a base. We're even thinking about coming out with a base pad that's gonna serve as a better purpose for that. Um, and the reason that so much stacking started happening is because um, Felicitas von Neumann Cosell is, uh, she experiments a lot, she's really cool. Um, very early adopter, always curious and interested. And she started, stacking these horses and then posting pictures on Instagram and Facebook. And I saw this and I was like, what, you know, I'd, I'd stacked a couple horses, not too many. And I was like, what is she doing? And so she's not far from me. So I drove up the couple hours to go see her and watch what she was doing. And she's like, yeah, the horses really love it. And yeah, wow, it's really cool what happens and there's big changes. And so I was like, okay, okay, maybe, you know, for some horses that's useful. And again, for some horses, it's useful. Um, but if your horse is nervous or anxious or just being introduced to Surefoot, this is not the place to start, okay? Um, yes, I will stack a, a pod on a pad. Um, I'm not sure I have a picture of that. Uh, I'll look and see. But here I've got, you know, two hard pads with hard slants behind. And you can see how his foot 
has shifted toward the back. So you can see how it's popped up the front and it might even slide that pad down. Um, so that's the thing is if when you go to stack and the horse kind of steps on it and pushes the stack around, don't try to just get your hand down there to fix it. Make sure that you pick up the leg, kick the pads out of, out of from underneath the leg, reorganize the pads, and then move them back in. One of the reasons is that just messing around down there takes time trying to get it stacked up again. So, you know, it's okay to put the horse's foot down and then come at it again. It's a much safer option and it gives the horse a chance to think about, wow, what were you doing? You, you know, you were messing around down there and it felt really different and I wasn't sure. So, you know, it gives them a chance to process what you actually ask them to do, which is stand on something that may even be asymmetrical because you've only done one side. Um, so here you can see I've got the hard pad on the base, firm pad, but I've reversed it in back. And probably the biggest reason for that is I didn't have two sets of hard pads. I only had one set of hard pants. So I put the firm pads down as the base and the hard slants on top. And this horse is standing quite square here. You can see that nice soft eye. Let's see, yep, his ears are listening to something. Um, and so he was very comfortable with that idea. Um, here's another horse where we've got um, hard slant behind, hard in front, firm slant on top. And she really let go in her top line and really let her neck down. Uh, Oh, here's a horse, and somebody was asking about how do I get horses on full physio pads with both feet? And here you can see a horse that's standing on a full physio pad with both front feet. And she's a pretty big girl. Um, so um, I'm pretty sure, I can't say for sure because now this has been a couple years, it's 2018, um, that we placed the pad in front and stepped her forward onto it and then added the hard slants behind. Here's, again, firm on the bottom, hard slant on top. Here's Felicitas. She's just got hard slant stacked, um, and she does her stretches. So she's done her stretches with the horses before she started stacking pads, and then she did the surefoot pads with the horses, and then she combined the stack with the stretches. So here you can see again. That he's, this is one of those three inch base pads that I'm talking about that's not in production yet that we're still um, messing around with, experimenting with, and just finding out um, whether there's enough interest for us to go into production on a base pad that's three inches tall. Um, we're actually looking at another function for that pad. Um, so it may be that it comes into, into practice. We have some people doing um, x-rays of horses' feet while they're on that three inch pad gets them elevated enough and um, does not show up on x-ray and allows the foot to sink in where there's where it wants to. So you can really get an idea of just how that want, horse wants to stand. So now we've stacked on three pads, right? Our base and then the purple. Um, I am gonna tell you that purple pads don't like to be stacked. That's not their favorite thing. The reason being that they are so springy that they will show more wear and tear over time stacking them. So if you want to do a lot of stacking, I would say, you know, take care of your medium pads and, and maybe consider not using them too much when you do that. Um, okay, I find it interesting that some of the pictures have riders while doing pads. Is that effective for the ride? Okay, so my day job is teaching riding. 
Um, and so most of the time when I'm working with Surefoot, I'm working with horses under saddle. And um, I always, always, always take the rider off if there's any concern at all expressed by the horse, if they show an ear flick, a glance, a look, I take the rider off. And so a lot of these horses I've already started without the rider. And then I use the pads with the rider. And the reason being is that I wanna give everybody a different idea. So often riders tell me, my horse always, my horse always falls on his right shoulder. My horse always misses his left lead. My horse always. And so we already have a preconceived notion of our horse. We've already pigeonholed him into a pattern. Um, we aren't really looking at maybe there's a rider influence in a lot of cases. And so when I use Surefoot pads with the rider on, the rider gets to feel all the little tiny nuances and swing. Let me see if I have a video here, because um, that would give you a really good idea. All the little tiny nuances that the rider is feeling. Oh yeah. Um, can you see this video? It's a buckskin horse on soft pads. Just let me know in the chat because as I'm kind of move things around, I always wonder if your screens are still seeing what I'm seeing. Okay, great. Um, and so, um, you can see this horse is extremely relaxed, the really soft eye, and almost fell asleep, right? And then a little startle, and then caught itself. But the rider is feeling every little nuance that that horse is making, right? And then the horse shifts back, kicks the pad out of place, right? Says, I'm done, right? And so you feel all the little changes that the horse makes, and then you can ask the horse to go for a walk, and you can feel all of the little, oh, this is our drunk horse. Uh, he's not actually drunk, but he sways. The, and this is typical of him. He's been on pads for a very long time, and um, this is what he does. He sways like crazy. So the rider is feeling all of this stuff. There's no words for this stuff. And when the horses walk off, it, you can literally feel their brain thinking about how their foot is meeting the ground. So I'm essentially influencing two beings by doing this under saddle, the horse and the rider. So I'm changing the rider's perception of the horse, but more importantly for the horse, I'm changing his perception of being ridden. So there's a lot of horses that are rather resigned about, oh, I'm gonna go in the ring again. It's gonna be the same old thing doing circles, right? And so when I do surefoot pads under saddle, the horses are like, oh, hey, that's really cool. We're gonna do that again. And they start to change their perception of their tack, their environment. Um, there's a lot of horses that have really strong habits to their tack that are not positive. You know, whether they've had an ill-fitting saddle. Um, here's a horse on a full physio pad. You can see he's not standing uh, with the pad square, but he's pretty square, right? Um, and it really helps change the horse's perception of being ridden and being in a certain places like arenas where there maybe things haven't been so nice um, or maybe their saddle hasn't really fit. And so that, yep, she startled at something. You can see her there. She got, um, she heard a sound. Uh, these are all videos. Somebody asked about stacking pods on pads and the answer is yes. Just looking to see if I have that Oh, here's, here's that gray horse that we just watched. 
Um, I was just back down in Costa Rica doing a retreat and I used him as my demo model. Um, here he is on three pads in front. He's got hard, firm, and soft, and then the hard slants behind. Um, he comes into the round pen. He just stands there and waits for me to put pads underneath his feet. He will not move as I do that, and he will not get off unless I lift his foot and kick the pads out from underneath his feet. And he will stay there as long as I will let him. Now, going back to my little talk about how long, this horse is extremely familiar with Surefoot. This is very typical of him. And, you know, we know him and we know his response. And so I could leave him there. And this video is about a minute, 50 seconds. I could leave him there while he sways this much because this is, um, this is a familiar pattern that he's done before. Okay. But if you see that much sway on a horse that's just starting, you want to, I don't care how short the time, you want to take them off the pads and take them for a little walk because you can make them sore. You can definitely make them sore. Oh, here's this. Um, this horse here, remember we saw her earlier, and here she is with her triple pads in front, big licks and shoes. You can see we've made her very high in front and shifted some weight behind, and she's quite pleased with that, right? And then look at how carefully she stepped off and thought about food, but she stepped off really, really careful. Um, a lot of times, especially with a triple stack, you want to take them off the pads. You don't want to let them step off because they can shift, they can slide. Um, and so it's just a, just a good practice to end the session by taking them off the pads. Um, here you can see we have an asymmetrical stack. We've got a hard slant with a hard pad on top on the right hind and just a hard slant on the left hind. So the combinations are kind of endless when you start to think about that you have four feet and six different pads. Um, you can make a variety of combinations and it's really, really about listening to your horse, making observations, and then thinking about, well, you know, how would I address that? How would I bring attention to that? And there's times when the horses absolutely will not stand on stack pads. And so you don't do it. You just go back to one or, I've had horses, I had one, it was a barrel racing horse. He had really hard time turning right. He wanted a triple stack on the right front and he stood there with nothing under the left front. And I'm not sure if I have that video because the thing about that one that's so fascinating is that his knee height was completely different. Like his knee height was like off by six inches or more. Oh, here he is. Um, but he was loving it. So there he's on three pairs of pads. And if we draw a line from one knee to the other, you can see that like this right front is raised up significantly over the left front. And we see a little bit of change in the chest, but not a lot. And he was, and there you can see his chest is almost level. And there you can see how happy he is about the whole idea, right? Oh, and I guess I, I didn't realize I have him double stacked behind. And I think that's just a double stack in front at that point. Um, and I, yes, I had him walk off in between, experiment with the pads. There was just a single pad under the left front on the diagonal, right? You can see that that wasn't quite what made him look at the difference in the chest line with just a single pad. Look at this chest line and how far away that elbow came from his body. Oops, different horse. Okay. But when I had him triple stacked, look at how square he's standing. 
and how much more level his chest is, right? So it's crazy sometimes when you see this stuff and you, you think, oh, you should like this. And the horse is like, no, I don't like that. And then you offer something else and he's like, yep, that's exactly what I wanted. So here's a, just a different stacking. Um, looks like I've got a hard in between too firm. Again, you look at how square he's standing there in front and he's just looking at something out the door, but very happy to stay there, right? So let's see what else we've got. I, I, oh, here's a, here again is the full physio pad. Sometimes they're going to just rest a toe, right? Um, so she's picking up one foot, going to place it on the pad, and then picked up the other foot and placed it on the pad. Oh, this horse here, this is Oreo. Um, he was a horse that was down in Costa Rica. We leased him because we needed more horses for the retreat. We didn't have enough, so they leased him from someone else. And that guy was supposed to have the farrier come and reset the shoes, and all the farrier did was come and reset the clinches, just tighten the clinches. So we couldn't do anything about his feet. And you can see they're really bad, right? And we all knew they were really bad. Um, but we put him on surefoot pads, and he was loose in the round pen, and then I stacked him. And you can just see that he is so happy standing here like this. And the thing that I found the most fascinating, yep, he got very relaxed. Um, that's just on a single pad. Um, but the thing that was most fascinating is that after doing the surefoot with him, even though we couldn't change his feet, he was so much more willing to cooperate with us. So he really appreciated that we, we addressed it and we did something to make him more comfortable and even though, yep, we couldn't solve the problem, he was like, yeah, this is really cool. And then we put some pads behind, right? And he wasn't going anywhere. Like this horse did not walk in between. He just pretty much hung out there and, uh, and really, really enjoyed the pads. It's a lot of comfort. He, him and his buddy, the one that yawned from just stroking the pad. Um, all right, so has anybody got any questions? We've got a couple minutes left here. We've, oh, you wanted to see a pod on a pad, and I know I have a picture of that. I'm just not sure exactly where I have that picture. I know we, there's just pods there. Hang on, I'm just gonna look over here and see. I'm just gonna stop my screen share here for a minute while I kind of cruise around and look for the picture with that. I don't wanna make you nauseous. Um, so does anybody have any other questions? You can put it in the chat or you can post it in the Q&A. Um, I know I've had, that's the thing is I wind up with so many pictures um, that I'm not sure I can always put my hands on something immediately when I want to. All right. Uh, can you use foot impression to met? Oh, um, that is an excellent question, Marianne. Marianne's asked, can you use foot impression to measure for a boot? Um, uh, so what I have been experimenting with, I'm just going to share this picture first. Um, I have been experimenting with measuring, okay, measuring the foot and seeing if the, taking my, my ruler, like Bob Bowker told us to do, taking my ruler and measuring the foot and then measuring the impression on the pad. Now, obviously this is a shoe and you can see how clear that impression is. 
I'm going to see if my computer here has put the other photos in. Um, because this is one of the things that, you know, when you have a horse that's really uncomfortable, it's hard to keep their foot up long enough to measure it. And it's way easier if we could do it this way. So I started experimenting. I have to get past all my flowers. Um, with measuring the uh, pad after we had the horse stand on it to see if the impression of the pad, here we go. Was the same as the foot, okay? So I took my ruler and what you have to just start to get used to, Marianne, is that the, see here where the pad has a little bit of a creasing? I'll see if I can make it bigger. You see this little bit of creasing? That is not where the foot is. So the suggestion I have is get used to, to putting the foot on the pad. And you know, it might even be really interesting if you just took um, some kind of marker that would wipe off, right? You don't want to permanently mark your pad, but just trace around the outside of the foot with the foot down on the pad and then come back with your ruler to make sure that you're accurate because you have to kind of get used to the crease that's formed from the load coming down versus the crease that's formed from the foot itself. Um, oops, that's just... <laughs> uh, so I'm trying to find the picture of the, of the foot that we did where we have the side-by-side. -side. I can do a, a sort of a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. I'm not, I'm not going to find the exact foot just here. Um, but it will be close. So here I've taken my ruler, I'm measuring my foot, and this is the first time I was doing it, right? And then here I'm measuring my pad, but you can see, like I've got a, about five inches. Now I'm little, Brad actually did this, so I think he went a little bit too far over on this side, because I think we're a little bit past where the foot was. But I think with a little bit of practice, that would be a really easy thing to do. Chalk, yeah, chalk would be a great idea. Um, because yeah, it's hard to measure for some of these things. And like Bob wants you to take these measurements, but if the horse is uncomfortable or sore, you know, the horse is like, I don't wanna stand on three feet. And so that was my idea. I started working with a laminitic horse and I was like, let's see if I can use my pad to record my measure and make my life easier. Just the one thing you have to remember, put the ruler on the pad, like, I took uh, pictures of the pad with the foot imprint, but I didn't put the ruler on the pad. So just make sure you put the ruler on the pad when you take the picture so that you get the measurement. All right, well, this has been a fabulous time and the hour just flew by yet again. Um, thank you everybody for joining me. Um, in the meantime, please go to the Surefoot Equine Facebook page and like that. Join fans of Surefoot to continue the discussion. Um, we have great people there helping uh, answer questions and share. And of course, all the videos can be found on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. And we have a special this month, Muzzle Madness. We are offering the Harmony Humane Equine Muzzles at 30% off if you buy a pair of firm and firm slants. So you can find that on the Murdoch Method uh, com slash shop under Surefoot sets or the muzzle itself just under Surefoot pads. <coughs> Sorry. All right. And um, next week I'll be posting all the videos. Hang on. And an hour without a drink. Um, on, on the weekend, I'll be putting out the new email. 
with all the guests. Um, so if you are on my email list, you will get all the links to the webinars for next week. All right, until next time, thanks, bye.